Okay, so I thought I'd start today with a couple of uh, direct messages before we get to today's program and an update from the general manager's meeting with Elliot Friedman coming up on the other side of this quick little intro. So over the past couple of days, I've had a couple of um, pretty interesting direct messages. And as I've always mentioned, DMs are open. I communicate with people there on a regular basis. Uh, sometimes I get the text. Sometimes I get the phone calls. Sometimes I get the DMs. One of the DMs um, that I got yesterday was from Ricard Gronberg. So Gronberg is a, uh, a former head coach of the, uh, the Swedish national team, uh, had been coaching in Switzerland, um, is someone who's interviewed for positions in the NHL behind the bench. The two that I, the two that I think I know, <laughs> how's that for a line, that I think I know are Buffalo and Dallas. Um, he's someone that I've long maintained, um, should have been given a shot by now uh, behind a bench in the NHL, but that's a... Conversation for another day and a topic for another day. So Gronberg, um, after yesterday's program, DMs me this. Uh, Hi, Jeff. I thought it was interesting that you thought the two of the most influential teams as of late were Team North America and the Finnish U20 team from 2016. Mentioned that on yesterday's show. As I coached against both of these teams, I couldn't agree with you more. We did advance from the bracket in the World Cup of 2016 by tying up Team North America in the third period and ultimately beat them out of the tournaments. Gromberg coached the Swedish team, as I mentioned. But boy, was that a great team. Also, Team Finland was stacked, and we lost to them in the 2016 Junior Worlds in the semis. We lost William Nylander in the first game, but battled with a great character team. Again, I can attest that those two teams were very influential to hockey today. Uh, Take care, Ricard Gronberg. Another note that I got yesterday, and this is about our Monday program. It's from Vashi Nedimansky. So Vaslav Nedimansky's son, who we were talking about with Bruce Boudreaux as we did Word Association and talked about Vashi and talked about his father. And I mentioned that Vashi Nedimansky, son of Vaslav Nedimansky, went to school with Elliot. So here's the note. Vashi Nedimansky, ace. It's March 14th at 2 a.m. in California. I fire up the Jeff Merrick Show pod and hear you and Gabby talk about my dad, Myself and almost 50 years of hockey history in one fell swoop. It's both overwhelming and so appreciated. I hope we can talk in depth at some point as my stories interconnect with your sweet spot more than you can ever imagine. Lastly today, and I missed this yesterday, March 14th is my dad's 79th birthday. Impeccable timing. Vashi Natamansky. Happy belated birthday to one of the most important figures in hockey history Vaslav Nedimansky who came over to North America in the early 70s along with someone else who doesn't get a lot of headlines as well a guy by the name of Richard Farda more on him on a, on a later program but Vaslav Nedimansky was the star that escaped the then Czechoslovakia uh, to play hockey in North America and the WHA with the Toronto Toros uh, and then in the NHL with, amongst other teams, the Detroit Red Wings and broke that barrier. Uh, was really happy to see Vaslav Nedimansky go into the Hall of Fame a couple of seasons ago. And Vashi, by the way, now works, as I mentioned the other day on the program, now works in the film industry in Hollywood. As he mentioned, he's in California, 2 a.m., and he's sending off DMs. Um, and he's producing a documentary about his dad. He's been working on this thing for years. And if you know anything about Vashi, it is like he will go frame by frame by frame by frame by pixel by pixel to make sure that everything is captured 
perfectly. For me, this has been maybe the most highly anticipated documentary I've ever heard about. Uh, so hope you share the same enthusiasm for this documentary when it finally does come out. Thank you, Ricard, and thank you, Vashi, for the feedback on the program over the past couple of days. So the news of the day today uh, relates to the NHL general managers' meetings in Florida and the Gary Bettman press conference. We'll play this clip, hit a break, and come back, and Elliot will comment. This is the commissioner, Gary Bettman, talking about what the salary cap could look like next season. Let's have a listen. Two issues on that. One, based on our current projections, which are aggressive, but we think we're going to meet them uh, in terms of hockey-related revenues, there still will be an escrow. If we even exceed those projections, there's a possibility that the escrow gets paid off and the cap goes up more, but that's a possibility. I, I think it's more likely than not we will still see an escrow balance. Uh, but, you know, I suppose there's always a possibility of discussions uh, once the new executive director of the Players Association, uh, who I believe officially starts today, and we welcome Marty Walsh to the NHL family. Uh, but, you know, subject to that, uh, it appears that the cap will go up a million. There is the possibility that the cap could go up more and the escrow will be paid off. Aha, so there you go. There is a possibility. Opening the door of the commissioner is for a negotiation with the new executive director of the NHL Players Association, Marty Walsh. So it seems as if the first interaction between the two, or the first issue that the two will get together over coffee about is next year's salary cap. And it might be more than a million dollars to which 32 general managers across the NHL, except those that are concerned about the salary cap floor, are saying, thank you, not a moment too soon. We need this release valve. Elliot Freeman comments in moments from Florida. Let's get the show going. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. So in true Gary Bettman fashion, he uh, opens a door and then closes it opens it again and almost sets the stage on his terms for a negotiation with the new leader of the NHL Players Association, Marty Walsh, for comment on this and everything else from the general manager's meetings to say nothing of a busy and action-packed and news-filled night around the NHL is Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Hello, Frege. Uh, Hello, Jeffrey. How you doing, bud? Uh, I'm good. So I I look at this whole... I want to just played the Gary Bettman clip where he talked about the salary cap next yep. season. I can't help but looking at this not as one isolated moment at a press conference, but something that's been going on for, I mean, less than a year, but a long time. Initially, there was the idea that the salary cap was only going to go up a million dollars. And then out of nowhere, last fall, you'll recall, the commissioner, unprompted, mentioned it might go up more significantly than that and everybody got excited and then you know tempers were diminished over the months that followed when it became obvious uh, to many that you know perhaps you know it was just going to go up by a million dollars and that's where we had settled Uh, until the commissioner this morning mentioned that it might go up and it might not just be a million dollars opening the door for the first communication 
and the first bit of productivity between the NHL's main office and the top office for the NHL Players Association, featuring newly minted executive director Marty Walsh. And I can't help but look at the entire thing as another long-term play, I mean, intelligently, but yet, but nonetheless, a long-term play by the commissioner here to raise anticipation, lower it, raise it again, and set the stage where he has the advantage. Your thoughts on all of this from Gary Bettman going over the past few months? Well, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I was surprised when he came out with the, um, with the, with the rosy, with the sunnier picture in October, just because, you know, I didn't see it coming at the time. So I was surprised. And then he kind of walked it back a bit and, you know, the, the thing that I think, I think of listening to this today is, you know, as he, as he points out, there's a new executive director coming in. And I think it's actually next week that Martin yeah. Walsh is going to start. And uh, what I think it allows him to do, Batman, is just maybe get a temperature on what a new head of the NHLPA is going to mean for the organization. Um, because there's, there's no bigger conversation you can have with someone who leads um, the players union than basically the financial structure of the league that determines the way that players are paid. And so if you really want to get a true handle on uh, what you're about to deal with, there's no better place to start. And, you know, the thing that this says to me too is, you know, they're close obviously on this number. If it's, if it's not paid off by the end of the season, It'll be paid off early next season, but I, I think it also gives like one thing. If, if he was to move the, if they were to move the cap number for next year, there would have to be, and he kind of hinted it, the players' escrow is capped at six percent next year. What Bettman's looking for yeah. is if he, if he agrees to move the cap number, what assurance are you going to give me in case? revenues don't go the way we think they're going to go. So I don't have a shortfall. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Players Association says. Maybe they'll say nothing and we keep it the way it is. Maybe they'll change it. I mean, we'll see. But uh, that was a big win for the players in the last CBA, they felt. So I think it's going to be a hard one to get them to move off of Here's why I always uh, I, I always wonder about situations like this. This is the first. This will be the first issue between the two, and I know that both sides will talk very publicly about how it's a spirit of cooperation, and you know we're all trying to get up to the to the same spot in the mountain. We might be going different paths, but we both want the same thing: shared values, shared desires, all these types of things. Blah 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 blah. But make no mistake about it. This is the first communication between their two over an issue so there will be an element of Bettman wants to demonstrate to his owners that he can be strong in front of the new executive director of the Players Association and I would imagine that Marty Walsh in the first communication and first interaction with the commissioner wants to do same for his constituents so the mm-hmm. first one is always interesting to me because neither side want to appear weak. Bettman doesn't want to appear weak to the owners, and Walsh does not want to appear weak or bending 
to the players. That's why I find this one so fascinating, and that's why I can't help thinking of the long-term play by Bettman here. It's a million, know it might go up, raise hopes, bring it back down again, raise it again, put the carrot out in front of the mule a little bit here, let's see who nibbles, let's see who bites, and again, it's on the commissioner's terms because he's the one that's brought this up. And if it doesn't go anywhere, it can be framed as... The communication broke down or the negotiation broke down, but we were willing to open the door. I look at all of it as a strategy. I look at strategies more than I look at tactics, and I think this is a very deliberate strategy and a quite brilliant one, I should add, too, by the commissioner. Well, I think what it does is it opens up the door for everybody to find out what Marty Walsh's hiring really means, right? Like, what what does this tell us about the direction that the Players Association is going to go? Because we're going to find out really quickly as the league, as they talk about this kind of thing. You know what I look at it as, Jeff? You're a big wrestling guy. Remember in the old, like, uh, 70s or 80s matches, they used to start off the matches, the two guys would circle each other, and then they'd do, like, the test of strength to start the match. This is yep. the test of strength. <laughs> when do we get to the uh, hit the ropes, duck clothesline, shoulder tackle part of that? Because well, that's when the match gets really fun, Elliot. <laughs> somebody has to win, like, the test of strength first. <laughs> this is the start of the Someone's bowl. Someone's got to win the... Like, yeah, this is the, where they circle right. each other. The bull and the matador circling each other. You know, you know who I think of here too, Elliot. You and I have talked about this before. Um, players that structure their contracts based on escrow being locked into a very certain percentage. Those are the guys that I thought of this morning as I'm hearing Gary Bettman talk about this. Well, you know, th- that's the thing. Like, it's um, it's it's a really it's it's a really interesting thing. Like, uh, I've I've told this story before, and I wrote about it once. And actually, one of the players involved called me years later about it. He finally saw it. And, like, there was a situation in a dressing room. And this, this goes back a while. Like, this, this is over a decade ago, um, probably close to 15 years ago. But it was during the cab era, and there was a situation where uh, one player was hired, uh, and it was a key player. It was, it was the best player on the team. And he said that, you know, I'm tired of paying escrow with my salary. I'm losing a ton of money. And at that time, the players were voting. They could escalate the cap by 5% every year. And, uh, yep. and he says, I'm tired of paying more escrow. I don't want to do this anymore. And I just like to have a situation where we don't vote to raise it by the 5%. And there was another player on the team, a very good player. And he was a free agent that summer. And that player spoke up and said, so wait, let me get this straight. The year that you are a a free agent, the most money is available in the system for you to get the biggest deal possible. But the year I'm available as a free agent, you want to not have the maximum number for me. And and to the credit of the player who was the star, he said, you know what, I, I get your point, you're right, and, and I'll vote for it. And he did. And that's the, that's the challenge of the cap, Jeff, is that, like, I know, like, like, during the last CBA negotiation, the players basically had two choices. They could pay this back, pay this number back higher uh, or faster, yeah. which meant higher escrow numbers, or they could do it the way they intentionally chose to do it. And I think the majority of them were so tired of the escrow that they just said, no, we're, we're tired of this. We're going to do it this way. And the result is the cap takes longer to go up 
And but I'm sure there's going to be some players who look and say, "Look, the cap's only going up a million. Come on, like give me a break. I'm a free agent this summer." It's it's a big challenge. Like I'm a, I'm the kind of person I always yeah. try to do better and better for the group than the individual. I want my teammates to be successful, the people I work with to be successful. Uh, but there, you know, I think everybody has times where they, they say enough is enough, and, and that's the balance that the players have been walking the last few years. You know what? As you're talking about this, all I can hear um, was Bob Goodnow, or all I can hear is Bob Goodnow in 2004, 2005, talking about how salary caps end up pitting player versus player. You're going to create a situation where you crumble from within because there's only so much money to go around. Everybody fights for the slice of the pie and exactly what you're talking about, that 5% inflator, and I'm sure that wasn't the only dressing room where those conversations were had, ended up pitting player versus player. Okay, uh, a couple you of know, things we also here. Should, so, we also should point well, out, by, too, Jeff, that there, that there were times that players were making more than 100% of their salaries. Like, there were a couple of years there where true. revenues were so good. Uh, I, I have the numbers yeah. at home. I don't have them with me on my trip. But there were a couple of years where they made over 100%. And uh, so the pendulum does swing both ways. I'm surprised you don't take the CBA to the beach. You're in Florida and you're not sitting there reading the CBA, Elliot. I'm a little bit shocked. I kind of had you pegged as that kind of guy. 20 years ago, I might have. (laughs) Okay. Uh, a couple of things. So, uh, by the way, a- anything else notable that we haven't gone over in the past couple of days from the GM's meeting that you think is particularly salient? Well, I would advise people to watch uh, Sean Reynolds did an issue uh, interview with the commissioner today, and uh, he asked about Ottawa, and Bettman had a really interesting answer. He said that uh, he, he basically said something along the lines of, um, you know, uh, sometimes I think, I think he said media. I don't remember, but I think he said media. But sometimes I think the media underestimates how much our team, how valuable our teams are or what our teams are worth. And Jeff, you and I have talked about how there's a suspicion out there that uh, somebody uh, made like a, 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 a bit of a bully offer and to try to drive up the price yeah. a bit. I, when I was watching, because I, I went back and I watched the interview on, the, on uh, Hugo's camera after Sean did it. And the way Bettman's talking there, like it says to me that there's somebody here who, or at least the numbers they got in the opening round, they're they're pretty happy with. So we'll see where it all goes, but he seems very confident that that Ottawa sale number is going to be uh, good for the league. Uh, I'm just saying, you saw the news on Ryan Reynolds today. Mint Mobile yes. sold for 1.35 billion. I don't know. That's the team right there. No, there is that your bully bid? Mint Mobile for the Ottawa Senators. Fair trade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I actually mentioned that to someone, and they actually weren't aware of it. And you know, I said, "What was it? 1.35 billion?" And and they, I, I know, I know, and they joked and said, "Not enough." Like they thought that was. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Um, okay, so we encourage people to watch the Ryan Reynolds, or the, the Ryan Reynolds, oh my God, we, we encourage everybody to watch the Sean Reynolds piece uh, with NHL Commissioner Gary Batman. Um, real quick, a couple of things from last night. There were, a, there were a number of things that I want to get into here in the limited time that we have. Did you see the reaction, the reactions in Nashville last night? Because that place came unglued. Um, they beat the Detroit Red Wings. They're selling the chase story again. Thomas Novak has been outstanding with 13 goals. Kiefer Sherwood, Luke Evangelista, we've talked about as well. We talked about the kids and what they're doing there. 
I don't know if Nashville can get there. You talk about the math. Um, that's your thing. All I know is those fans in Nashville are believing in this team, and that building is always loud. But when they beat Detroit last night, there was an eruption in Nashville. I don't know if they can do it, but it looks like it's going to be fun watching them try, Elliot. Well, you know, they ha- all of a sudden the math is in their favor again, right? Like, you know, like yeah. they 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 control their own destiny. They're they're in a situation where if they win out, you know, they're the team that's got the number. They're they're four points out with three games in hand. So, yeah, I think the amazing thing is I didn't realize when I first saw that. Like, like, like now McDonough's hurt too. Like it's. Uh, like yeah. they, you, you take a look at all the guys who are out of the lineup, either because of injury or trades, and you know they're right back. They're they're right there. I mean, it's incredible. I was talking to David Paul about it down here, and like, like even like I don't know what they expected after they made the changes they made, but I, like I don't know if they thought they were going to be in the race. And you know, like Saros, of course, has been a huge part of that. But, you know, Tommy Novak, yeah. I mean, what a fine that kid's turned out to be. And Yossi looks ridiculous mm-hmm. right now. Like, I think that the way that I look at Yossi is, it, it, I would hope a captain of a team would act like that. Like, in the sense that here, here they've basically said, you know what, we're not good enough. And now he's playing like he's pissed off. Like, oh, yeah, you know, you don't yeah. think we're that good enough? Well, like, here's what I'm going to show you. And I think when you're the captain of a team, that, you know, you set a tone. Everybody looks at you and you set a tone. And the way this is going right now, I, I kind of look at it like, wow, is, is he setting an incredible tone uh, for their team? And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're going to do this, Jeff, but I don't know about you. I, I didn't think that they were going to do it. I looked at the schedule. Like someone said to me this morning, and I, I kind of looked at it a bit, Nashville's got a tougher, tougher schedule than Winnipeg does. And... Uh, so I have to kind of look at that a bit more. But right now, the math is their friend. Yeah, I'm just looking at Nashville. So they've got Chicago tomorrow, and then it's Winnipeg. That's a huge game. Rangers, Sabres, yeah. Kraken, Pear. Leafs, Boston, Pittsburgh. That's death. St. Louis, Dallas. Ugh. Vegas, Carolina, Winnipeg again. That's massive. Calgary, Minnesota, Colorado. That is a tough schedule um, for the Nashville Predators. Yeah, that game is will at 2 see. Eastern on Saturday afternoon. Like I, I'm annoyed that we can't steal that for our national package, that Winnipeg Nashville game. But yeah, I know. I, I'm I'm all in favor of industrial thievery when it benefits us, but I don't think we're gonna be able to do that. <laughs> uh, that's that is a huge you game on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. That's uh that one's massive. You know what I am in favor of? Creative fans and it made me smile. It made me laugh. But also, there's, you know, I don't know if there's something to it, considering how Boston has kind of hit a speed wobble here for the, the first yep. time this season. What did you, what did you, now the Blackhawks doubled up the Boston Bruins yesterday, six to three, as we all predicted. Um, yes. What did you make of Blackhawks fan, the Blackhawks fans last night chanting overrated at the Boston Bruins? I think that's hilarious. I think that to me that it was it was hilarious. That is funny, yeah. Like I think, I, like I think that's hilarious. Like that's what fandom is supposed to be about, right? Like you've had a really tough season there. You haven't yeah. had a ton to cheer for. Patrick Kane's gone. You get a night where your team doubles up the Bruins, and you can chant like that. Like that's what it's there. That's what sports are there for, man. I think that's great. Yeah, I know. 
I just loved it. It was my uh, my highlight of the night yesterday. Um, oh, boy. We got a lot here. Okay, so San Jose is the first team officially eliminated from playoff contention last night. Um, mm-hmm. And the questions become sort of what, what's now for, for San Jose? And we wonder about Eric Carlson. He's got four more years at 11.5 and a no move. Uh, we wonder about Logan Couture, who has four more years at $8 million, a modified no-move. Um, Tomas Hurdle, who they just signed like five minutes ago, um, seven more years at 8.1. He has a no-move as well. Let's say nothing about Mark Edward Vlasic and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What happens with San Jose? Now that their season is done, they look forward to the lottery. You see how Connor Bedard looks like in Teal. Um, you're Mike Greer, the new general manager. What are you What are you thinking about your squad now? Officially eliminated. I think. Well, first of all, we should say that the NHL announced today that the uh, draft lottery is on May the eighth. So that's the that's yeah. the first thing we should recognize here. And I think it's going to be like an hour, like a special show. I don't think it's a uh, it's during the intermission of a playoff game or anything. I think they, especially because it's Bedard, I think they have bigger plans for the way that show is going to go. Uh, and of course, we'll be carrying that. Um, you know, the one, the, the thing I look at here is, I don't. The Sharks have no interest in rebuilding. Like they, like this is not a situation where they're going to gut their organization and start all over from the ashes. That's not there. So, like I, I think now is in the off season. How do you make the incremental gains that you need to make? Um, I don't necessarily think they're going to go out and swing for the fences in, in free agency with huge deals. It doesn't sound like what they want to do. But I, what I do think they want to do is, is try to hit those, to get those like singles and doubles that, that, that make you a better team, that create runs for you. So I think that's going to be the interesting challenge for them, Jeff, is who do they target and who do they go after that they can make their team a little bit better. And I, I think that's that's kind of where we're, I think that's what they, I don't like the Carlson thing. I'm sure it'll come up in the summer. Like the, the one thing, and I, I know I've said this a lot. They don't have like a ton of the assets to do it, but to me, like Carlson in Florida makes a lot of sense. Um, and I just wonder if that's something that, that kind of comes back up. But, but like, that's the thing for me. I think for them, it's how do they create flexibility to, to go out and get good value because I don't think they want to hand out term and I don't think they want to tear it down. So that, so what it says to me is you've got to find your smart little buys. And that's, that's what I think this summer is about for San Jose. A couple more things quick. Um, you mentioned the Florida Panthers. Um, They're at 73 points right now, you know, knocking on the wild card door. And two teams with 71 points meet up tonight. Tonight, I, I don't know if I sh- how much I should hype this one up as the most important game of the season for both teams, but there's an element that kind of feels that way. The Buffalo Sabres and the Washington Capitals, both at 71. Um, they match up against each other tonight. I don't want to say the winner's got a chance and the loser's out of it because officially they're not. But I don't know about you, Elliot, but it kind of feels that way with this game right now, given how both teams have played and are playing. Uh, Rate the importance of this one as the season starts to wind down here. Buffalo and Washington, both at 71 points, going head-to-head tonight. 
Well, I think it's a huge game. I think you're right. I mean, Buffalo has two games in hand, so it's their situation is not quite as dire, but it's not. Uh, but you, you can't afford a loss. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I know that there's some Sabres fans. Uh, if you look, the uh, Aiden McDonough from Northeastern, he signed with Vancouver on Monday. James Struble from Northeastern, yep. he signed with the Canadians today. I know there's a question about De- uh, Devin Levi. Um, I, I believe I believe the full court press is on to sign him, and I just think that you yep. know they just got to figure out how it's all gonna how it's all gonna work here. Um, um, you know, I, 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 it's obviously a huge game. You know, the, even though, like I said, the Sabres have two games in hand, there's there's no margin for error here uh, anywhere. And uh, so, I mean, who's do we know who's going tonight? Is it Lukanen for Buffalo? Is he the guy? It has to be, or uh, maybe not. not. Seen, maybe the, have not seen yet. But I would. I mean, Ander, Anderson was really good the other night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. The, the only uh, thing is, like, they he. he like, like, actually, it's funny. Like, someone, one of the Sabres told me that's like a bit of a joke. They, like, and they, they basically, someone said to me, like, they're calling him, like, the CEO or something like that because he only plays once a week. Like, it was, it's really funny, actually. I got a good laugh out of it. <laughs> like, the, the, like I, that was, so I got to think. It's Lukanen. It's Lukanen. Yeah. It's Luke. It's, it's Lukanen. I just checked. It's Lukanen. So, I mean, Look like it's a huge game for the kid. I mean, he's yeah. I mean, he, he's him and Levi are the future, and you might as well give him the opportunity. He's got to, and it's a huge game for him. I like the, I'd like to see what he does. Boy, I'll Big tell one. you this. Okay, uh, the one, let's end the, on one, this one. the one team Jeff that is making me worry a little bit yeah. is Pitts is Pittsburgh. Just uh, like. Washington's Jari repeat, since man. the injury, uh, yeah. Watching uh, w- w- Jari since he came back, he's really struggling. We talked about this around trade deadline time, even before trade deadline. Like, is there, like, should the Pittsburgh Penguins be in the goalie market for insurance? Based on performance and based on the potential for injury, we talked a lot about this on the on the podcast and here on this show. Um, one thing I want to wrap up with: it used to be a regular occurrence that when a team goes west, um, their hopes go to die, uh, and that's kind of changed over the past however many years. But when the Ottawa Senators went west, their hopes died. And again, last night against the Edmonton Oilers, and there's McDavid, and there's Dreisaitl, etc. Um, they get doubled up as well. This West co- this West road trip for the Sens really crushed them, Elliot. It really crushed Ottawa. Yeah, it, it's tough. Like it, it, it was hard. Um, you know what? Uh, you know what, Jack? I, I think this shows you just how hard it is to be like the difference from being good or improving to great. Um, They had that incredible week, Detroit, Detroit, Rangers at the King debut, Columbus, and then they go out there and and they got beat. And it's just a reminder of how hard it is. And I don't think, like, I don't think any less about those players or anything like that. I just think it was a realization of how hard it is to be consistently great in this league. And there's good teams out there and the travel and just the level you have to play at at this kind of year. Um, 
you know, and, and you know, we had this talk on on uh, on Saturday night briefly, but a couple of teams told me that you know with Kachuk, and they say it's kind of mature about him, but he picks his spots in the sense that like if you go back and you watch the Seattle game. When Ottawa's up 3-0, he's running all over the ice. He's completely dominating the game. And when Seattle comes back, he kind of tones it down a little bit because he doesn't want to take a bad penalty and give up even more momentum, right? So it became even more about from what some people told me. Like, yeah. you have to get Ottawa in positions where Kachuk is being careful and he can't emotionally turn the game around. And so I think this was just a lesson to them on how hard it is. No worries. It is. It is. And listen, I uh, I want to end on this one. I know that uh, the NHL announcing today that May 8th is a draft lottery, and I know that it was a couple of months ago that Gary Bettman said there's no tanking in the NHL. I'm sure this was not lost on you, Elliot, but just for all of our listeners and viewers right now, um, today they announced the lottery is on May the 8th, Connor Bedard up for grabs, and last night Montreal beat Pittsburgh, Chicago beat Boston, Arizona beat Calgary, and Columbus beat San Jose. Montreal, Chicago, Arizona, and Columbus all won their games last night. The only team that got the memo... The San Jose Sharks, who lost six to five, and are now well. Somebody had to lose. You can't eliminated. tie anymore, Jeff. Somebody had to lose that game. <laughs> Someone had to lose that one. They did indeed. All right. Uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and we will uh, we'll talk to you on Saturday. You get a couple of days off, and we'll we'll talk to you on the weekend, Fridge. All right, man. Take care, Elliot Friedman for Thirty Two Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada. 